0: We give it up for the veterans. Thank you. In fact, if you're an active duty or veteran, would you do us the honor of standing and representing all the veterans that are among us? Come on. Active duty veterans, come on. Thank you, guys. Thank you, gals. So proud of who you are. So proud to be a Christian American. So glad for all that you do, and uh, as many of you know, our oldest son, his wife's active duty Navy, and so we got a whole new appreciation for military spouses as well. Can we give it up for the spouses this morning? Come on. They sacrifice so much too. So I got a question for you this morning as we kind of wrap up the seasons series that we're in. Anybody ever feel like you're playing phone tag with God? Anybody ever played that game? You know what I'm talking about? You call him, you left a message, you're waiting to hear back. You know, it's tag, you're it, you're waiting. Uh, but heaven is silent as midnight. I am mean, just like, before you know it, you find yourself going, well, you know, maybe he's just busy. He's got a lot going on. There are more important people than me for him to deal with, so, you know, get at me eventually. Maybe. Can, can I make a confession this morning? I, I love a lot of things, but I hate, I shouldn't use that word, I hate automated computer receptionists. Anybody with me on that one? Can I make a pledge to you that as long as I'm your leader, if I have any influence at all, you call the bridge during business hours, you're going to get a human being. Okay? But I got to admit, sometimes I wish heaven had one. I mean, wouldn't it be cool if you could just call and say, you have reached heaven. If you need a job, press one. (laughs) If your kids are driving you crazy, press two. If your wife is driving you, cr- no, you get them. Just, <laughs> you ever felt that way? I mean, just come on, God, text me, put some smoke s- signals in the sky, <laughs> something or other. I need answers, and I need them now. Can I get an amen in the room? In fact, as we all find ourselves in the waiting room of life sometimes, it's kind of like we're in an airplane on our way home, we can see the airport, we can see the runway, but we're in a holding pattern, circling, and we don't know why, and nobody's telling us why, and no matter how angry or frustrated or impatient we become, there's nothing we can do but sit and wait until the pilot finally comes on the intercom and say, guys, here's what's going on. You with me? So we're wrapping up this series today that we've been talking for about six weeks now that we've simply been calling Seasons and we've been talking about, frankly, some of the difficult seasons of our lives and how God wants to help us to work through them. And we're wrapping it up today by talking about a season of waiting because quite honestly, we have to do the waiting thing no matter what season you happen to be going through. It takes time to go through it and there's always those confusion, frustrating kinds of things in the various seasons of life, and your only option is to wait. If you missed any of the messages in the series, then please send us an email at info at We'd be glad to send you the very notes that I'm using, and that the other guys that have been, been teaching, the notes that they use, would be glad to put them in your hands. And if you want to follow along today, and I hope that you will, uh, go to the Bible app, Events, and, uh, and look for The Bridge Princeton, and you can find the very message, the, the, the Scriptures, the outline the points that I'll be making today. And you can take your own notes and then save it at the end for your own research purposes. Now, here's a favor I want to ask of you. You see that hashtag seasons of life? If you post anything, if you tweet or Facebook anything about this message, would you add the hashtag Hashtag Seasons of Life, because what that does is, is you can then go on Facebook and you can search on hashtag Seasons of Life, and you can see what everybody else that's watched the service uh, and, and is responding to it. It's, it it kind of connects us a little bit. And If you don't know how to do that, ask a 12-year-old. They'd be glad to help you figure that, that out. So, This is the season we've all been in sometimes. Maybe you're in one now that you've even resorted to bargaining with God. You know, it's kind of like, God, I'll do anything. I'll go to church. I'll listen to sermons online. I'll, I'll even quit waiting for the movie and read the Bible. You know, just anything. Just give me an answer. But nothing is coming. And so before you know it, you start to feel hopeless that you ever will get an answer. Am I the only one who's ever been there? We've been there, haven't we? And you know, in the big scheme of things, it may not even be a big thing, but it feels like a big thing because it's the only thing that matters right now. And you think about it all the time, and the frustration uh, level comes up. I've come to give you good news. Congratulations. You're in a season of waiting, and God works in seasons of waiting. So, what I want to do in the few minutes that we have together. I took a little long in first service. I'll try not to keep you too late today, but I'm making no promises now. Just go and buckle your seatbelt. Got a lot of ground to cover. I want to do it quickly as I can. Finish that. And in closing, which means absolutely nothing, (laughs) but it gives you hope we're going to finish one day, right? Sorry, Farrell, I borrowed yours. Here's what I want to do. I want to tell you how to grow through a season of life, not just go through it. I want to tell you how to grow. But before we get into the how-tos and the what you need to do, I want to tell you why God allows seasons of waiting. Does it help you sometimes when you've got some what's, some things you have to do, if you know why you're doing them, does that help you? Does that help you? Uh, several of you have commented that you see that I'm losing weight. I told you a few weeks ago that I want to be healthy enough to be your pastor for a long time. So when I really see that extra cookie and I really, really want it, I go back to, why are you doing this? Because you want to be able to pass through the bridge for a long time. You've got to stay healthy. You see, the why helps you to do the what. Does that make sense? So here's what we're going to do. I want to tell you the why, three simple whys. God allows seasons of waiting in our lives. And then what are we going to do? What are the commitments we need to make? And I'll let you go as soon as I can. But I hope this will help you. In whatever season you're in as you wait for God to do what it is that he's doing uh, first and foremost in you why first of all I believe that God allows seasons of waiting because waiting renews my strength you ever run out of spiritual energy I mean, you get to that place, you know, there's seasons when you're just, man, you are on fire for Jesus and everything comes easy and you can't wait to get to church and you can't wait to serve again and you can't wait to write that tithe check because you know it's going to be a blessing. And then there are other times when it's like, well, I can do it one more Sunday. <laughs> I can do this one more time. You know, there's just, sometimes the energy just starts to drain. Well, God knows that. Uh, and believe it or not, He allows seasons of waiting. Recharge your batteries. I mean, that's what the scriptures say. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 from the New King James. But those who wait on the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Anybody want to walk without fainting? Anybody want to run without wear and slam out? Anybody want to soar like an eagle? Are there any eagles in this house? (laughs) Well, how do you get there? You wait. That's what it says. And we'll come back to Isaiah 40 when we get to the how-tos. But for now, I need to let you in on a little secret that you may not be aware of. You are not the energizer bunny. You are not the ever-ready husband, the ever-ready wife, the ever-ready mom or dad, the ever-ready servant of God. Everybody has downtimes. God allows them in order that we can recharge our batteries because, hear me, guys, Uh, you can't help other people if you're running on empty all the time. That's why it's one of the ten biggies. Take a Sabbath, take a break. Waiting often renews my strength. Number two, waiting refines my character. This is huge. Waiting refines my character. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Read it with me. Read it out loud. It's on the screens. Here we go. We also have joy with our troubles because we love trouble. What? That's not what it says, is it? Because why? Because we know that these troubles produce patience, and patience produces character, and character produces hope. You could actually call that God's assembly line to build hope. Do you, do you see the, the stations on the assembly line? What's the first station? What is it? Look at Scripture. What is it? Troubles. That's the first station. What's the second? patience what's the third character and then where does it end up with hope that's the good news you want the bad news the bad news is you don't get to the end of the assembly line and get the hope until you learn to endure the troubles with patience which leads to the character that helps you get there does that make sense Every great man and woman of God in Scripture, when you study their lives, this is what you see. You see them having to learn how to endure difficulty and wait with patience. Abraham waited for years before Isaac was born. Moses spent 40 years watching sheep sleep before he went and led the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. Paul waited three years alone in the desert before he became missionary to the Gentiles. Even, even Mary had to endure the hardship of being an unwed pregnant teenager before she could birth the hope that is the Messiah, Jesus Christ himself. Okay, all right, I got that. So that's the journey. But, but, but why does God make us wait? before he gives us hope. What what was the third stage? We still up there? What's the third station on our assembly line? You got troubles, then you got patience, then you got character. Hear me, guys. Listen to this. Lean into this. God loves you too much to give you what you want if in the process you skip the character development stage. Every good parent knows that. You don't give your children everything they want whenever they want it, because if you do, you're going to raise a bunch of neurotic brats. Amen. Hello? Some of you are? Is that what you said? I didn't know. Every now and then you say, No, well, you got to do your chores first you got to finish your homework before you do that. got to make your bed before you do that. There's something that we teach them. What are we doing? We're trying to develop their character before we give them what it is that they want. Well, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much for you to stay the way you are. He wants you to grow. In fact, he cares more about your character than that he does your comfort. It's cliche, but it's still true. You can't even make good quality steel without tempering it with heat. Gold has to be refined in the fire before it can become a wedding ring. God sometimes allows seasons of waiting to renew our strength. Sometimes it is, I think oftentimes, it is to refine our character. We'll come back to that one too. The third why is that oftentimes God will use seasons of waiting to refocus our lives, to refine our thoughts into his highest purposes and goals for our lives. Let me see if I can unpack this one quickly. James chapter five, verse 11. You have heard about Job's patience. You've heard about Job's patience, right? That we even have an expression, the patience of Job. Because we understand that Job lost uh, everything on a single day, virtually everything, including his own health, Uh, but what's the result of that? What does it say? And you know, you've heard about his patience, and you know the Lord's purpose for him in the end. An awful lot of people know a little bit about the story of Job, but the focus of our study in, in Job tends to be on the front end of the book. We tend to try to get a handle on Satan trying to bring him down, God giving allowances for him to do certain things which can't take his life. And then Job endured all these problems and his friends came and gave him bad advice. I mean, we we studied that part of the book of Job. But you get to the end of the book of Job, you find out what his purpose in life was. Hear me, guys. The only way Job got to fulfill his ultimate purpose in life was to endure the hardships with patience which created character. So that when his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die, his response was, forget about it, woman. If he kills me, I'm going to keep trusting him. Why? Where did he get that character? He endured hardship with patience, which led to character, which produced the hope that we now know God is really in control, not the devil. He's a liar and a loser. And if God allows anything to go in our lives, it's to work it into a pattern for good, to renew our strength, to refine our character, and to focus us into what it is that he wants us to do. Seasons of waiting often have more to do with him redirecting your thoughts to where he wants you to be and what he wants you to do than where you're thinking right now. The problem is that for many of us, we don't like waiting. Anybody love to wait? We hate waiting, and so when we find ourselves in a situation where it's time to wait for something, we don't, we don't really want to wait, and so we're kind of like that guy I saw on the news some time ago. Uh, I, I, it's been a while, and I, I, you can probably search YouTube and find it. The fascinating story. This guy was trying to get the attention of the police, and for some reason when he went to the police station, they just kind of blew him off. So he went down to the National Guard armory that had a tank sitting in the front yard, and he got into it and figured out how to get it started, and he drove it to the police station. Problem is, uh, he never really learned how to drive a tank, and so on the way to the police station, he's running over cars He's knocking down telephone poles. This is on TV news. And, uh, and finally gets to the police station and runs into the building. And, of course, they arrest him. Now, the, what's classic, the, the news reporter that told the story, what's classic is when they brought him out of the tank and he looked back uh, in behind him. He, it, it, It's classic. And what he said, did I do that? <laughs> That's what we do in life, guys. We, we, we don't want to wait. We want to do something that will get the people's attention or to get God's attention. And so, we do something and we wreak havoc on the way because instead of trusting God in this season of waiting, we push and push and bulldoze through. And in the process, we miss out on God's best. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that it's always bad things that you do during that season. Sometimes it's good things. It's just not the best thing. It's just not the thing that God has for you in this season. And hear me, God wants more for you than you dare to dream or think or ask. I mean, you want this much. God wants this much for you. He's a loving Father. That's the way He loves to work. But the only way He can help you see it is to get you to stop, slow down long enough to refocus on God, what are you calling me to do? What is it you want me to give my one and only life to? One of of the great stories, one of the great illustrations of this in Scripture is Hannah, who wanted children so badly. She prayed and prayed and she'd go to the church and she'd pray and pray and, and she just never could seem to have kids. Her husband, I had two wives, which was common in Old Testament days. And his, his other wife, Hananiah, had kids. The scriptures say that the one who had kids taunted the one who didn't. Hananiah taunted Hannah. In fact, the Bible says Hananiah provoked her bitterly just to irritate her. This is just this kind of thing going on. So Hannah wants kids. Hananiah is taunting her. But what did Hananiah do? She endured that hardship. She waited patiently, and eventually she had Samuel, who became, many say, the greatest prophet in all of Israel, who became advisor to two of the greatest kings that Israel ever had. He got two books of the Bible named after him. How about that, Hananiah? Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. Right? Right? All I'm saying is that sometimes God makes us wait because he's got something better for us than we've even thought of in the moment. Simply because he's working in us to make that so. Can I make this personal? Is it okay if I make this personal? I'm going to, whether you give me permission or not, but it's just nice to ask. When Kim and I left Chesapeake and moved back to Goldsboro, we came to take care of our moms. Both were mid-80s and uh, widowed and alone and we wanted to take care of our moms. And we just came to the bridge for a place to worship because this is a great church. Is this Is a great church? This is a great church. And uh, so we just wanted to be here, you know. Uh, Farrell's been my friend for many years. And I said, well, you're going from my friend to my pastor. And uh, uh, and then we went through about 18 months of saying, okay, God, what do you have for us now? I mean, I actually went through a season of, okay, what, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Kind of semi-retired and what am I going to do with this thing? Never once, some of you say it did you, but it never once occurred to me that I was going to have the incredible privilege of leading this great church to the next place. never dawned on me once until Pharaoh came and said, you know, I think God's releasing me to the next thing that he has for me. And they're in Tennessee, and they're blessed. And, And I know those people are blessed to have their leadership, but it never occurred to me. You you follow what I'm saying? That was 18 months of saying, God, I don't understand. I'm just trusting you. I'm waiting. We're going to worship you. We're going to take care of our moms. We're going to honor you with what we know how to do. And then we're going to trust that in due time, in your timing, you're going to put us in the position that you want us to, to accomplish what you brought us to this place to do. And I never dreamed what he had in mind, but it took that season of waiting to see it. You ever been there? Are you there? Well, Jim, I I hear that, but I've been waiting for a long time and none of that's happened to me. Uh, Understand, it's not just important that you wait, it's important how you wait. If that you wait was the only thing important, then we'd all have character in spades because every time you went to Walmart (laughs) and there are 100 cash registers and two cashiers, you'd have, the, you'd have uh, character just flowing everywhere, right? Hope popping out everywhere. But it's not just that you wait, it is how you wait. Every time you drove to Raleigh during rush hour, you just have character all over the place, but it's not how that you wait, it's how you wait that determines whether you go through a season of waiting or you grow through a season of waiting so in the time we have left let's shift gears and let's talk about the how-tos I want to share with you three commitments that I've tried to make through the years and I'm asking you to make them today that'll help you leverage the weight that you're going through into the character that you need in order for the hope that you want to be realized do I need to say that again That, that might be a tweet that might be a tweet if you make these commitments, I guarantee you by God's word that you will develop the character that you need to leverage that season of waiting into the hope that you long for. Three commitments. Commitment number one is wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Isaiah 49, 23, New King James, Thou, They shall not be ashamed who wait for me. Remember Isaiah 40? Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Let's be honest, guys. Just us. Just me and you for a minute. Nobody's looking. Okay, everybody look at me. Look right straight at me. Okay. When you're a season of waiting, what are you waiting for? I mean, nobody knows. Just me and you. Are you waiting for the Lord, or are you waiting for what you want happen to happen? You see the difference there? I mean, think through this. This is incredibly important. Uh, I kind of liken it to to we treat God like Pat Sajak. You know Pat Sajak, Wheel of Fortune, the TV show has been on for 22 billion years. And Vanna White hasn't aged at all. She either has a really good plastic surgeon or she sold her soul to the devil. I don't know. Which it is, but that's the reality. Okay, so you got Wheel of Fortune in your brain. Do you like this, okay? So you're the contestant, and, and you're waiting your turn for your turn, and it finally comes your turn. Where's your focus? Is your focus on getting to know Pat Sajak? No, it's on the wheel, and it's specifically on the $5,000 slot on the wheel, and it's, and it's on trying to figure out that puzzle because you want that $5,000, right? And you frankly don't care who say Pat Sajak is, you just want the money, show me the money, right? Well, that's what we do in life sometimes. We want the wait to end, we want the answers to come, we want the solution to come, we try everything we can do to get, we even try prayer, but our focus is not on getting to know God personally, our focus is on getting something from God personally. And so we don't get it because the Bible doesn't say wait for results. The Bible says wait on the Lord. Here's a tweetable if you want to tweet something. If I want to grow through the season of waiting, I have to be less goal-oriented than I am God-oriented. I have to become less goal-oriented than and become more God-oriented. Instead of waiting for this thing to happen, I start to pray, God, I know you can do this in a snap. This would be a piece of cake for you. So what I want to do during this season of waiting is I want to get to know you. And I want you to show me what you see in me. You're in control. I want what you want. When you do that, You climb up on the assembly line that leads to hope, enduring hardship with patience because you understand where it's going to end up, developing the character that you need that releases God to produce the hope that you long for in your life. Here's how Isaiah said it in 64, for no one has ever seen a God besides you who helps the people who trust you. Pastor Jim paraphrased Christianity is different than any other religion in the world. God is working for us even while we're waiting. What am I saying to you? You have to choose is what I'm saying. You have to decide. Uh, you can wait while God works or you can work while God waits. You, you get to decide. Am I going to push and push and push? And God's going to say, okay, when you're ready." To endure hardship with patience, and let me teach you the character traits that I long for you. I'll give you the hope, or you can just say, "God, teach me, show me. I want to know you. I want to be a little more like you." And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying for a moment that that when you get into season of waiting, you just kind of pray and go sit down in your recliner. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's what you think. Then you're missing part of the definition of waiting. Waiting always carries with it an idea of activity with expectation. That's where the trust thing comes in. There's, there's activity with expectation. Let's go back to the airport scenario we talked about a few minutes ago. Let's imagine that, that it's time for you to go somewhere. You hurry to the airport, drive through traffic, get there as fast as you can, rush in knowing that when you get to the gate, an airplane's going to come and it's going to take you to your destination. So you hurry up and wait, right? what do you do during the waiting period? What do you do? You check your bags. You go through TSA security. You go into the waiting to the gate. You listen for the announcement. When the announcement comes, you lean over to the person beside you and say, what would she say? I understand a word of that. Do you understand that? You know, that's what you do during the waiting period, right? Why? Because you are expecting something to happen at the right time, the plane's going to show up, and you're going to get on it, and it's going to take you where you want to go. So, it's waiting and trusting, and trusting while you're waiting that there'll be a good result to the way I wait. Waiting is about trusting, and trusting requires waiting. In fact, look up. In your own time, I don't do it now because I'm talking to you, but in your own time, look up some of the scriptures that are from this a message today. Look it up in different translations, and what you're going to find is that sometimes the word is translated wait, and sometimes it's translated trust, depending on which paraphrase or which translation you look at. Why? Because they are almost interchangeable words. Trust always includes waiting, and waiting always requires trust psalm 37 7 wait and trust there it is both times the lord it even shows us the enemy of waiting don't be upset when others get rich or when someone else's plans succeed you know what he's saying he's saying the number one enemy of waiting is comparing yourself with other people's journey as soon as you start looking around and say how come they're getting blessed and i'm not getting blessed How come they're succeeding I'm not conceding? I'm not succeeding. You you just prolonged your season of waiting because you just stopped enduring your troubles with patience. So don't focus on what others have. They have their journey. Don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on knowing God and trusting him during this season of waiting. In time, in time... You'll begin to see God's track record and and recognize it so well that you'll actually begin to pray once. Lord, I thank you that you heard my prayer and that you are at work. For now, help me to focus on what you're trying to teach me about you and what you're trying to teach me about me. I can hardly wait to see what you're going to do in me before you do what you have in mind for me." So how do you grow? How do you grow through a season of waiting? First of all, you wait for the Lord, not for stuff. You wait for the Lord. Secondly, you wait with the Lord's people. You wait for the Lord, you wait with the Lord's people. Is there a difference between waiting alone and waiting with people? Sure, there is. One of Satan's favorite tools when you find yourself in a season of waiting, particularly if it's been for a while and there's this hopeless kind of sets in, Satan will start to whisper in your ear, Nobody understands what you're going through. Nobody understands that stuff. You are all alone. You might as well handle this by yourself. Now, I need you to hear me say this Satan is a liar and a loser. I got two amens over here, got one head not over here. Satan is a liar and a loser. That's reality. And so if he says that to you, just look at him. You can't see him, but just look at him and say, you're a liar. I'm ain't, I ain't not even listening to that. I'm not letting that into my head or my heart because that simply isn't true. So go back to the airport scenario with me. You ever been on a flight somewhere and, uh, and, and the flight got delayed? Don't you hate those long delays? Well, let me tell you what makes it easier. Connect with some of the other people that are being delayed and start talking to them. We were in, uh, in Birmingham, Alabama this past spring, and, and we had a flight that connected through Atlanta back to RDU, and there came up a storm about the time we were supposed to get uh, on the Birmingham flight, and so they postponed the flight and postponed it and postponed it. Finally, came out and said, if you're on the flight to Atlanta, uh, then we've got a bus. We're going to take you to Atlanta because it's a two-hour ride. And so, we, so we, we actually got on a bus and drove to Atlanta, and then we got to Atlanta and found our flight to RDU was delayed and delayed and delayed and so what did we do we started making friends with the other people that were delayed and we learned all kinds of things about why they were traveling and where they're from and where they're headed and are you going home are you going to visit people and we made these friends we went from noon uh, in Birmingham to 3:30 in the morning the next day in Atlanta before we boarded a flight and they finally came online and said we have a plane and a crew yeah but we have to be wheels up at 335 legally or we're grounded for the night. So hurry. So we're running to the plane. And then they said those faithful words. If you've ever flown commercial, you, you dread those words when they come. We are overbooked. We need two volunteers to stay back. And if we don't get two, then we'll have to volunteer some people. And this guy looked at me. We made friends. He looked at me and said, you go, I'll stay. I said, dude, you've been waiting as long as I have. He said, I know, but just you go, I'll stay. Why? Because we shared our lives with each other. And somehow, in the process of that conversation, he was uplifted and encouraged. And the result was that he wanted to give back. You see, that's how it, how it works. When you wait, don't wait alone. Wait with people. And there are two groups of people you need to wait with, okay? First of all, you need to wait with biblical characters, I already mentioned it. Every great man and woman in Scripture uh, waited with patience and trusted during that season of waiting before they got the hope. I don't have time to tell you all those stories, but let me just name a couple. And maybe you'll know the stories. If you don't, maybe you can look them up. It's just a couple of these guys. Let's see. Uh, Paul and Nehemiah and Daniel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Mary and Peter and David and Joseph and Joseph. Ah, you said Joseph twice. Yeah, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. Elijah, Daniel, Ezra, Aaron, Adam, Esther, Ruth, Hannah, Hosea, Gideon, John, Rachel, Leah, Mary, Martha, who waited for Jesus to come heal their brother Lazarus, who waited in the tomb dead for four days. (laughs) Joshua, Samuel, Caleb, Nahum, Naomi, Job, are you getting the picture? Every one of them waited and trusted, trusted and waited and when you read their stories, it inspires you to do the same. Now, let me be clear about something. I'm not telling you that they will inspire you because they were such great men and women of faith. They won't inspire you because they're giants. You'll be inspired if you read their stories because they were as human as you are. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 5. Abraham waited patiently for this to happen, and he received what God promised. Abraham waited for 25 years before his son Isaac was born. According to this, he waited patiently. And the result is he got the hope of this son that became the father of nations. And let's just be real clear about who Abraham was. Let me give you the backstory of Abraham if you don't know it. He struggled with trusting while he waited. Somebody know the story? Yeah. He got this idea at one point that his nephew would be Uh, the heir. And then Lot chose Sodom. (laughs) That didn't work out too well. Then he got the crazy idea, if my wife can't have kids, I'll just take a second wife and have a child with her. That started a family feud that's going on to this day. Family feud even Steve Harvey can't fix. I mean, come on. All because Abraham got impatient with waiting. And yet... Abraham made it into the Hebrews 11 Faith Hall of Fame. See what I'm saying? We're going to struggle. We're human. Don't be hard on yourself. Embrace the reality that all of these names that I've talked about in Scripture, most of them had huge struggles, but they trusted the Lord. And every time they pulled away, they pulled back, and they pulled away, and they pulled back over and over again. And the result was that God ultimately produced in them the courage the confidence, the character that they needed to produce the hope that they longed for. It's not that you wait perfectly. It's that you come back to trust every time. Somebody said it this way, faith and failure begin with the same letters. They just end differently. So if you're struggling with patience, you're in good company. If they can make it, so can you. The struggles are part of your development. The second group that, uh, that I would challenge you or encourage you to wait with is a little bit closer, a little easier to see, and I'm talking about your spiritual family. And, that, and that's the people, the group of people that are, frankly, that are around you right here, right now. We read this one last week, uh, and I talked a little bit about this, but let's unpack it more today. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Can we read it together? It's on the screens. Here we go. So encourage each other and give each other strength. So many of you have made just very nice comments and very encouraging comments, either in person or, uh, or via Facebook or you know private message or emails or whatever. So many of you said so many encouraging things to Kim and I, especially since last Sunday's message. I'll be honest; the hardest sermon I've ever preached in my life. But I I, I needed. I felt compelled by the Lord to come and share our journey with you first and foremost because, frankly, I needed to remind myself of biblical truth as Kim and I worked through our own grieving process, but also because that's what the Bible says we're supposed to do. We're supposed to share with each other. We're supposed to encourage each other, not with just our victories, but with our struggles. We're supposed to help each other. I've gotten emails frankly, from all over the country because of the internet, from people who said, here's my grief story, here's my grief story, here's my grief story. Thank you so much for that message. I'm sending this message to my neighbor, to my friend, to my coworker who's been through this, and I know that it's going to bless them. I got an email from England this week from somebody who's got the message and their friend lost a teenage son last week and said, I'm sharing the message with them. You see, that's that, that, that's, that's uplifting to me, that not only was I able to come and share my struggle and yet my trust and know that somehow that was healing for me, but it might actually be healing for some of you too. That, that's, that's how the body of Christ is supposed to work. That's how we help one another. So i tell you what, let, let's do something different. It, it, it's, it's noon, a couple of minutes after. So let's just shift gears. I won't finish the sermon. We'll do it another time. Instead, let's just everybody get up and move to this side of the room, and we'll all line up, and one by one you can come across the stage, and I'll give you a microphone, and you can just share your struggles with everybody. What? Some of you are saying, finally, I get a mic. Yes. <laughs> Others are saying, well, I don't know if I want to do that or not. But okay, the pastor says it. I can just give it a try. Some of you, I think that guy's having a heart attack right there. He's just, you know, what's the problem? The problem is we, frankly, don't have time, nor do we have the courage to stand up in front of a big group of people, much less hundreds. We have 350 people watching these services online every week now. And so, you know, there's people all over the world that are watching these services. And so we uh, we don't have time for all of us to share all of our stories. But yet it's important. Wait. I got an idea. What if what if everyone in our church had a small group of people? I'm just thinking just out loud. You know, what if they had a small group of people that they could call their spiritual family? And what if that small group of people built Uh, trust relationships with one another, and and what if that trust became so strong that they finally worked up the courage to share their struggles and victories with one another? Just be honest with you, if you're waiting to get the kind of encouragement that we need that the Scripture said we're supposed to give from this crowd, it's going to be a while. In fact, the only thing realistically you can wait for with this crowd is... Is, is a parking space before the service and traffic after. I mean, it's just it, right? That's real patience training in that one, I know, but that's not what we're looking for. So what if we had, what if we had small groups available? What if we had women's groups and men's groups and family groups? What if we took the risk of, of realigning our lives and our priorities and our schedules enough to be in one of those groups? And what if we actually took the risk of taking the mask off and shared our story and then found out that there were two other people in the room who had the same struggle that were ready to share and pray and encourage one another. And what if, just what if, more of our owners would step up to lead one of those groups? We have people coming to our church from an hour away. What if we could plant groups in those communities where they could come here for celebration, but they could meet in their own neighborhood. I'm just spitballing here, you know. What might it be like? Just a thought, but here's my heart. If we did that, uh, I'd be willing to say that this place really is a bridge to hope. That's my dream. Keep in mind that if you wanna grow through the season of waiting, how you wait is more important that you wait. The Bible says wait for the Lord, not just for what he can do for you. Wait in a group of encouragers, biblical and real living right here. Number three, and I'll close, trust God's timing. As I look back over my life, I can see every one of the seasons that we've talked about in this series. I've been through seasons of loneliness and seasons of temptation and seasons of failure. I've been through seasons of self-doubt and most recently a season of grief. I know these seasons and there are other seasons that will be in the book that I'm working on. It's not going to get out by Christmas because of delays, but hopefully early. In the new year, that book will be out, and there'll be more seasons that you perhaps can relate to. But here's what I want to know. Here's what I want you to know. It was vital to me, and it is vital to me, that every one of those dark seasons that I went through became a stepping stone, not a stumbling block. That they became a part of the path to me becoming more patient, and more Christ-like in my character, and receiving and giving away more hope. That assembly line's operating. And I realize that the key every time, no matter what the season is, is to remember the four truths that we talked about in the first message. If you missed it, Info at bridgechurch.cc. We'll send you the notes for the thing. Four truths about those seasons. First of all, most seasons are beyond my control. I didn't choose them, but here I am. But they are not beyond God's control. Many seasons can be very confusing while you're going through them. Number three, God wants to bring good out of every season, no matter how dark it seems. And number four, the seeds I plant in this season determines the harvest that I will get in a future season. So to get there, I have to ask myself four questions. What is God trying to teach me about him and about me? What can I enjoy even during this difficult season? What's the most important thing in this season? And how can I get outside of myself and serve during this season? The rest is a matter of trusting and waiting and waiting and trusting, cooperating with God's assembly line that leads to hope. If it helps, God's timing is perfect. Habakkuk 2, 3, these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. And that's what I'm praying for you. One last thought before we pray and rush off to the restaurant. For some of you, it's incredibly difficult to trust God with the season of life that you're in because you haven't yet made the decision to trust Him with your eternity. We talked about it last week. My son's, some of his last words in life where it is well with my soul everything else is stupid when it comes down to it what else matters more than it is well with my soul i can tell you now you're going to struggle to trust god with the seasons of waiting until you trust him with your forever so here's what i need you to hear if you're not absolutely sure that you've settled That issue that you've established a relationship with Jesus Christ, here's what I want you to hear Isaiah 30, 18. The Lord still waits for you to come to Him so He can show you His love. You think you're waiting for Him? In fact, He's waiting for you. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for the privilege of having a relationship with the God of the universe who is powerful and mighty and who sees every detail of our lives. And I pray simply that every one of us in this room and online will stop and reflect for just a moment on That simple issue of relationship with you. Before we talk about the seasons that we're in, just do I have an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And if for any reason you're not absolutely sure of that, I didn't ask you if you are a church goer or if if you're a Christian, quote-unquote. I I ask you, if, if you're not absolutely sure you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, understand that he wants to give you a new life and a fresh start. So pray this prayer with me. Pray in your own words. Pray silently. Pray aloud. I don't care, but pray. Jesus, forgive me for not trusting you with my forever. Thank you for your forgiveness and your fresh start. Thank you for new life that begins for me today. I'm trusting that's true. In Jesus' name. And then for all of us here, Whatever season you're going through, whether it be loneliness or grief or self-doubt or any of the seasons we've talked about or others, during the season of waiting to get through that season, how are you handling it? How are you handling it? If you're genuinely waiting on the Lord, waiting with His people and trusting His timing, then by authority of God's word, I'm here to tell you, you won't just go through this season. You will grow through it. So would you join me in that prayer of commitment? Again, pray in your own words if you want, but pray. Jesus, I I don't want to waste this season. I don't want to live here. I want to move through it, but I don't want to waste it. So teach me what you want to teach me about me and about you. Help me to connect with other journeyers that are struggling just like I am, that we can encourage one another, and help me to learn to trust your timing. In Jesus' name, Father, you know who's praying. I pray that hope would rise up in them just because they prayed that prayer and then let it begin to show in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? The altars are going to be open after the service. If you want to come and pray, we'd be, we'd be thrilled for you to do that. Don't leave this place unsettled in your spirit. We're here to help. There's a table back there with literature. You can go back and talk to somebody there, pick up some material. If you're a first-time guest, please do take your Connect card to the VIP center. And again, we're asking everybody to fill out a card every week. And so if you haven't done that yet, take a card, put your name on it, flip it over, write a praise report or a prayer need on it so that we can praise God with you and pray God with you this week. Father, thank you for the seasons of life that we go through. Some of them are difficult enough that we don't ever want to go through them again. But thank you that even in them, You bring us through to higher pasture land, and I pray that for all of us as we go from this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.